Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We are glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Stephen Cervantes. So how are you? I am good and ready to go. Yeah. So before we jump in, I just want to let you know, kind of as we are coming to the end of another year, uh, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. So the only way that you're hearing us or seeing us is because we've had uh, generous supporters that have come alongside, believe in what we're doing, want to continue to help us expand our reach uh, by supporting us financially. And if you would like to be a partner, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the Become a Patron link, and you can learn about the ways that you can uh, partner with us. So, Stephen, (laughs) we are, you know, every now and then, I, I just have to let you listeners know every now and then Stephen just comes in and like just sort of tosses <laughs> multiple pages on the table and, and it's got just dozens of ideas. And so what we decided to do here is say, listen, rather than trying to figure out what each of these things are, let's just kind of throw them together yeah. and we'll just sort of do a random thoughts episode. There you go. Hopefully we'll highlight a bunch of insights <laughs> and then maybe if we throw enough things at you, that something will stick that is useful That's for good. you. So I grabbed this first sheet. I have three sheets here. And uh, it's funny because I write these programs over time and I throw them in a drawer and later Jonathan says, we need one. So I pull everything out and it's like, what was that about? You know? (laughs) So this is the insights though. Okay. So my action is this. I try to get you to like me. So I become a pleaser or a giver or a helper or a friendly guy or recently one of the guys at Gateway said, or a smiler. Mm. I just smile all the time. Right. Because I want you to like me. But the question is, do I like myself? Am I enough? Hmm. And then God answers, you are my son. You are loved a bunch. And so I'm trying to practice being so full of love. So so that's, I was walking around the neighborhood and I opened my arms and I threw them out and I say, I am so full of love. I am so full of love. I am so full of love because I want to be so full of love. I better tell myself and I better say it. I better act like it. You can't sit down with your head down. You got to open your arms and say, I'm so full of love. So, because I want my soul to know it. Because there's wounds and beliefs and lies and pain and rejection and shame and you know, and then I got logic and all this goofy stuff. I just want to remember that I am so full of love. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you, if you're home alone, stand <laughs> up and say, I am so full of love and say it to heaven. Just let that 
filling come into you. And if you really want to start an interesting conversation at Starbucks, just do it right there in the <laughs> in the Starbucks. Uh, well, the, I don't know about yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but that would start a conversation at Starbucks. Here's here's one thing that strikes me about this is you know when you talk about I'm I'm full of love and the idea that. Uh, do I accept myself? Am I enough? Those types of things. And then to have this response from heaven that you're loved. I think, you know, in order to be able to say I'm so full of love, we have to open ourselves up to being loved. Mm, Right? And that sounds like such a simple thing, right? But here's the thing that I've discovered, even in my relationship with God, is there's a fear component. And I'm not talking about the quote-unquote fear of God that we see in the Bible. What I'm talking about is a fear of intimacy. There's a fear component there sometimes that says, God, I, I, I want to be full of your love. I, I, I know that you, mm. that you offer it. I know that you freely give it. I know that you pour it out on me. Mm. But here's the picture that I get sometimes. is Imagine that we're a, an empty cup, and God is pouring and pouring and pouring, but I've put a lid on. Uh, or I put a lid at a certain level. Yeah. So it's like, God, you can fill me 20%. I'll take 20%. Here's the reason I'm stating this, is I have noticed that because our call in following God, our call in reflecting his image in the world, is to pour out love on others. Mm. It's very hard to pour from an empty cup. Right. Or you can't pour fully when you've only got 20%. So what I've recognized is when I am feeling utterly fatigued or empty in offering love to others, I realize it's because I've put a lid on somewhere in receiving that love and being full so of it. So just test yourself then. Just open it up and just say it and see what comes up to resist and just push it out, push it out, right? Because the point is you're trying mm-hmm. to get that stuff out. And I like what and- you're saying too because I do think there is power in speech and I think sometimes we, we so intellectualize mm-hmm. the, the principles and the nature of a relationship with God that we forget that sometimes we need to speak things out. Well, and the power of life and death is in the tongue. Right. That's what right. the verse says. So insight number one, I am so full of love. I am so full of love. I'm so, say it, practice it, say it out loud. You can do it by yourself. Practice alone because it's going to be odd. Mm -hmm. But then see what comes up and wants to defy you because it's like the Father's love is falling down on you. Insight number two, I am alone. There's no one else like me on this whole planet. I am alone. I'm uniquely made. There's only one Jonathan. There's only one Stephen. That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm alone. Um, And so I say out loud, I'm alone. And then I listen quietly and I hear this whisper back, no, no. I am here. I am with you. The great I am. I'm with you. And I'm glad you silenced all that and got quiet so you and I can talk because you're not alone. I made you. Mm. Right? So in the aloneness crying out is when the Father meets you. Not in the busyness. Not running around, not helping others and, and being a good contributor to society. No, 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 no. In the alone place. Because the vision I have is, think about like the Super Bowl, just packed with people. This is like an example of heaven. Nobody in the seat is exactly alike. They came for one purpose. And in heaven, everyone up there is unique. And he said, and they all chose me. They're in my arena. 
I made them and they chose me. The ones that don't want to be here aren't here. Every seat is full of someone unique that chose me. And that's why we're in this great fellowship celebrating. So even though you are uniquely made and alone, you are made for a relationship with him and a dialogue. So that's my number two. My number one is I'm full of his love. Number two, I'm alone. That means I'm uniquely made, and that's okay. That's number two. Mm-hmm. Thought about that? So one of the things I think about that is the idea that, uh, you know, it makes me think of a story where a guy was talking. Uh, he was, he'd come to Christ, and and he was sharing just some of the transformation that had taken place in his life over the years, and he was talking with a uh, a friend of his who had not yet come to Christ and, and, or actually, no, this was a friend of his that was a Christian, but this, this other guy was just struggling with some secret sins and things like that. And the guy was asking, um, this first guy, he was saying, um, man, how do you, how do you deal with all the temptations when you're all alone? And I loved his response. He says, well, I'm never alone. Hmm. Because Christ is always with me, so there's there's a there's a double dynamic here in, in terms of what you're saying. Absolutely, we are alone in the sense of our uniqueness. There is no one else like us. Never has been in history. Never will be in the future. Right. And that's part that speaks to the creativity of God, right? That He says, "I'm going to make billions of people, no two of which are exactly alike mm. in their personality, in their in their spirit, mm. all of that." And yet at the same time, the one eternal God is saying, you're never outside of my presence. You're never, you're never in a state in which there's not someone, the one, yes. that is knowledgeable of your life or with you or all that. So it's like I kind of hold those two together where it's saying, yeah, I need, to be, I need to be okay and embrace the fact that I do travel through life alone in the sense of I'm, I'm totally unique but I don't travel through life alone because no matter where I am in my station in life, the eternal God is is with me and walks with me. And Well, and the dilemma with that is most guys are afraid to be alone, right? Yeah. Because all the, the inner critic, all the shame, right? All the false identity, everything screams out and wants relief. So mm-hmm. we have to distract ourselves. So yeah, you get to have to get to a place where it's quieter inside Right, and, and you hold those of, two things kind of in balance there. There's a tension there. Right, but I'm saying doing your, your sexual integrity work brings a lot of calm to your inside. Right, yeah. So that you can enjoy being alone better and be alone better. Mm-hmm. So number three is knowing you does not add one bit of value to me. And nothing you do can diminish my value in any way. Right? Because we think, oh, if I know you, you're famous. Wow, that's going to like add value to me. Mm. Or if you say a terrible thing about me, oh, that's going to devalue me. Right. But the truth is our maker gives us our identity and value. So you cannot add any value to me. And, and, and that's a sort of a healthy mindset, right? No one can add value Another human being, they can add friendship and kindness and love and support, but they cannot add value to you. Right. Your worth doesn't go up or down based on another person. That's right. And so their praise of you doesn't increase your value, and their displeasure with you doesn't increase your value. 
You know, it makes me think of, uh, so we've been going through a lot of transitions and changes in our ministry in recent years, and we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. Congratulations. And I think when you're the founder of a ministry, it's very easy to sort of see the ministry and your yourself as one in the same. Like, I am the ministry. Like, uh, you know, it's just, right. it's a natural thing. If you yes. started anything, you kind of see yourself as, hey, that's you your baby. It personal, and you, it's a, yes. And so I think there's a principle here of there's a principle of separation. Yes. In other words, when you think about value, you have to say, I am not what I do. So, so I am not the relationship I'm in. I am not the skill I have. Mm. Does that make sense? So there's this, there's this principle of separation that says there is something about value that is spoken and poured in by God that has a permanency because he made you, mm. not because of anything else, any relationship, any, you know, skill, any intelligence, any thing you've built. You know, and so yes. I think that's kind of what you're talking about here is we have to realize that even in even in our even in the church a lot of times we have made I'll give one example. I think in the church we have made marriage itself an idol. Okay. So like what we have done is we've said, really, the pinnacle of success as a Christian is to be married. And if you think about how most churches are structured, What's 90% of all the resources focused on? Families, marriage and families. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is it's, it's sort of speaking that if you aren't married, you don't have the same value as a married person. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of like we're saying, hey, my value is based on this relationship that I have with this other person. And what I'm hearing you say is, nope, it's not. That person cannot add or detract from your value as it has been given to you by God. That's right. And there's a, there's a, there, I think there's a security and a stability in that because then you recognize I can come to you and I can offer strength and love and friendship without feeling like I'm, without having the pressure of thinking that I'm going to be the one that makes you more valuable or less valuable and vice versa. Yes. And I think you bring, a sense of I'm valued. I, I know I'm unique and, and at times alone, and that's okay because God wants me in his presence and I have that value. And I bring that to another person. Mm-hmm. And so what do I bring them? A sense that you could have value too. You're going to have to be alone and do well too. You can be in the Father's presence too, right? And we do this work side by side and, I mean, if you think about that, there's a oneness aspect to that, right? As soon as you enter the Father's presence, the oneness thing is going on, mm-hmm. right? Because he's always with us, but we're not always sort of with him. Right. I don't know if that makes sense exactly. or not. So anyway, those are some ideas I had. Maybe one of them will be useful to you. Second, I want to go into a story that a guy told me. He said, look, I'm just a regular guy. Okay, I've got strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and then I have to ask myself, what sets me off? Because I get messed up. Maybe it's an argument with my wife. I don't feel valued, taken for granted. Just stuff I hate. 
Now, look, I had this thought beat in my head. Happy wife, happy life. But she can step on my last nerve and she can tell me, you know, you're messing up again. You didn't do this. And why don't you do that? And how many times do I have to tell you? And she's not happy. So I'm a pleaser. I like to avoid conflict. But I got to tell you, you know, I, I try to walk this pathway of least resistance. Mm-hmm. But, but resentment rises up in me. Quietly, I become resentful. And I can only take it so long. <laughs> what are you thinking? So this is, again, one of those things where we have, we, we construct expectations uh, based on things that aren't necessarily true. Happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> and so we construct this expectation that says, well, listen, as long as I kind of stay out of the way and she's happy and, and if everything's good, you know, there, then I'll be happy. But the thing is, is that the reality is, is that life always comes up against complications, right? So the thing is, is we have to, ultimately, we've got to, we've got to have a basis of our expectations and truth. And the truth is, life is hard, you will get hurt, Mm -hmm. and um, God is present. (laughs) And so the thing is, is that you've got to, you've got to, you got to sort of reorient your expectations. Now, it doesn't mean that anything this guy has said is invalid. I mean, these are just his feelings, right? He's unpacking mm-hmm. his feelings, but I think he's coming to a realization. Hey, the thing that I'd sort of placed as my foundation for my own sense of contentment and relational contentment mm-hmm. is clearly a shaky foundation. If I thought it was just all about my wife being happy, and guess what? She's not happy. Then what? Ha- is there any possibility for contentment if that paradigm doesn't work out? And I think I think I would say yes, because if we find our contentment mm-hmm. in, you know, this sufficiency of this relationship with Christ and with God that says no matter what my circumstances are, whether I'm, you know, when Paul talks in Philippians four about, listen, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have nothing. I know what it is to be in good health. I know what it is to be beaten and sick. But yet, in all of this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I've realized no matter what my circumstances are, there can be contentment. That's a different paradigm mm. from happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm going to make some comments at the end. He said, look, life can be easy and roll along just fine, but sooner or later it gets complicated. I can be a really good pleaser, and I use that pleaser as a tool to make everybody happy. I know all the right answers. I say the right answers. But darned if this seed of resentment doesn't just rise up Mm -hmm. in me. I don't want to be resentful, but, man, this thing's not working. Yeah, and that's just it. So the good news about what this guy's writing down here, what he's saying is he's actually recognizing the root, mm. that it's resentment. So, so the, the thing is, it's almost like, I think this is how life works. We, we try to go our own way, right? We want to do things based on our own hunches or create our own expectations out of either what we've been passed down from our family or just what we've picked up along the way. And at some point we realize, oh, that's sandy. That, that, that's sand. That's a mm. sandy foundation. And I like the fact that when he recognizes that, he realizes, 
what's actually at the root of this? I'm bitter. Mm. I'm kind of an angry guy. I, I'm resentful, and I want to blame somebody for what's going on in my life. Now, we could look at that and go, man, what a terrible attitude. I look at it and go, hallelujah. He's getting some, he's getting some perspective on what the real issue is. Mm. It's not his wife, is it? It's, mm. hey, he's got issues in his own heart that now are being exposed, and that's a good thing. So I guess for the listeners, I would say this is a great maybe lesson for how we do self-analysis. If you find yourself repeatedly going, you know, throwing your finger at your spouse and going, it's their fault, it's their, you know, whatever it is, and playing kind of the blame game, maybe you're like this guy and you realize, I'm resentful. So therefore, start asking yourself, what are the expectations that I've created that are being unmet here, and why? Why am I so resentful? Now, I know we talked about why is the question you can't answer, but at least start starting to do some self-exploration. Yeah, what of, am I thinking? What am yeah. I doing? Where do I go? So, he Where said, did this resentment originate? Yeah, some of those well, there you of go. Things. Look yeah. back. What's some of the original resentment that I still carry? So he said, my solution uh, after building up this seed of resentment is I go have a drink. And I lie about going to have a drink. And then I lie about the place, which is a risky place. Mm-hmm. Then I went to have a drink. I don't open this stuff up. It doesn't work. Sometimes I break down. When I'm in a broken place, I lie. I act out. I have guilt and shame. Mm. The only thing I know to do is try to mold myself, to try to mold myself to be the person I'm supposed to be. And I know that only works for a little while. What I hate about all these thoughts is that I keep doing the same thing over and over. And it's me driving this system. And I don't know what to do about it. Hmm. You know, when he talks about mold myself, the first thing that pops into my head is actually Romans 12, where it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And I think what happens here is, you know, especially as men, we tend to be so action-oriented that it's like we see a behavior over here that is not producing the result we want. So then, man, I'm going to cram and I'm going to force and I'm going to do this behavior over here when actually the transition that really needs to take place is in the mind. Mm. How are we transitioning thoughts? You know, because clearly there's a pattern of thought here, right? There's this resentment. There's this solution that says somewhere along the way he picked up the idea that says, listen, when I don't get what I want and the expectations don't work out the way I want them to, my solution is go find a way to escape. Go find a way to maybe drown those sorrows into mm-hmm. a into a beer bottle, and and that's kind of the the solution. And so there's a pattern of thought there, right. and that's kind of what has to be transitioned is the thought patterns in order to then see see behaviors that are born not just out of willpower, but mm-hmm. actually out of a transition that's happening internally. So this guy says, I try to please, I try to be happy, try to keep her happy, but I resent, I escape. And then I try again harder and try to mold it, force myself to mold to be this thing. But the question I have is, where did you start to be fake? Where did you learn to be a pleaser? How come you can't just be a real person? Mm. When did you start becoming a pleaser and thinking making people happy? Because you're sort of ignorant about yourself. 
and you're doing old childhood things in adulthood and you haven't matured, your inner system is still like your teenage system in a grown man's body. And so it doesn't work. So could you be a little bit more real? Uh, that would be my advice to that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so are you going to try to tackle that? No, nah, I don't okay, think so. Okay, I was like, I don't think we have time for that. <laughs> we did two out of three. We don't have, we don't have that much time for that many there random <laughs> thoughts. So I did want to just kind of yeah. sort of land the plane here as we kind of recap some of the stuff we have here. So thinking about some of the self-talk that's important, because I think it ties mm. into what we are just talking about here with this guy that's saying, yeah. hey, this is my pattern, right? Yes. And if you think back what we were talking about earlier, you know, to be able to declare... God says, I'm so full of love. I'm so full of love. I'm so full of love. That's what he says. You know how much I love you? I just love you so much. And isn't that what we want to hear? Yeah. That we're chosen, we're deemed, we're his. And so in that... I'm so full of love. So in that respect, if if you're out there and you're feeling you know, resistant to that, or like I was talking about that, that you have, that you can put a lid on yourself Mm -hmm. sometimes is just examine what is that all about? Is that a fear issue? Is it a shame issue? Is it a performance issue? Right. Uh, is it, you know, in other words, like I've got to work to earn. That means when you're practicing, flavor. that stuff's going to come up. John exactly. talking about what's blocking you. And let it go, let it go, let it go. Just keep yeah, turn it over. It. Just repeat, I'm so full of love. Everything leave me. I'm so full of love. Nothing else can stay in here. I am so full of love. And then the other thing about that we is that... We should it, do a YouTube video. It, yeah. <laughs> I'm so full of love. I'm so full of love. Well, they're seeing it right now, so <laughs> there we go. We'll just... Uh, We'll overdub that with some music or something. No, we yeah. should like get a people. <laughs> It'll turn into a turn into a. Where are you standing? Say it outside. A music rock, video in a stream in the middle of the street. I'm so full of love. Any of you listeners that want to turn that piece into a music video, go for it, and it'll, hey. it'll go viral. Uh, but anyway, and so then the idea also that listen, I'm I'm alone, and since since I'm unique, but at the same time. The idea that I'm so full of love, God walks with me. And then the idea that there is no other person that can add or subtract from your value before God. Mm. And then this last piece is just be be able to think through, listen, what are my patterns of thought that are unhealthy? What are the paradigms maybe that I've had my life founded on that are simply shaky or not true? Old beliefs. Um, And then hopefully these insights have just maybe helped you move in a positive direction. If you want to unpack some more of this with us, please reach out to us. We are happy to help and walk along with you. Uh, And we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Thank you. God bless. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.